Hey, ask the person next to you this question. Because I ask myself this question. Who do we want to be as a church? What do we want to be known for? Go on. You can start with a participation right now. And you're going to answer? Like, you can answer the person as well. Don't just ask a question with no answer. An open-ended question. I'll ask you, Carol, because no one's sitting next to you. What do we, what do we want to be known for? Well, she, she, knows, she knows our... Do we want to be known for our music? I think our music's amazing. Come on. Yeah, we're about to release an album in a month's time that we recorded at Summit. So it's, we had, remember when we had all those uh, microphones here? That's you. We were capturing the sound, the live sound, the worship of, of um, children of God, you know, worshiping the Father. And they also captured me and Martin talking about um, um, logistics and stuff like that. It's really bad. We have, to, we have to get Joel to, to cut it all out. Or do we want to be known for our coffee? Our coffee's great, isn't it? Yeah, like I personally like a, like a double espresso or a long black, but our coffee is fantastic. But I don't think God wants us to be, for us to be known for our coffee, yeah? Otherwise, we'll, we'll call it enjoy, we'll just be a cafe, yeah? What I think, and it's simple, is we want to be known for loving God and loving people. It's as simple as that. You know, in Matthew, we find that the disciples say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And I'm, I'm sure they had their pens out. Read, or they probably didn't have pens, but they would have had something. Um, and they're ready to take notes, yeah? Like you guys are ready to take notes. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So simple, yet sometimes it's so hard to get around that, to to let that become a revelation in our lives. And before I continue, can I pray? Father God in heaven, I thank you for this incredible time that we get to spend together as a church, worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts today, God. Even as as we read your word and focus on your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that a revelation would would, would flow and, and grow in our hearts of the two things you find so important, to love you and to love people. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. So, over the last, excuse me, I was singing too loud. The number one thing you don't do before you preach is sing your lungs out. Um, so, I had this, this, this thought in my mind because every single week we see it on news. At the end of news, what happens at the end of the news? What happens? Oh, we've got Juanzi there doing this sign. You must have done news. Yeah? What does that mean? Is that sign language for something? No? Okay, at the end of every news, um, and, and going back a few years, when I used to do news, when I used to record it, Pastor Shane used to always say, Christian, get it right. Like, make sure that we end news in a certain way. And he would say, make sure it goes like, and remember, here at Enjoy Church, say it with me. No one stands alone. 
to me, it was like, what is this Sesame Street? Like, it felt like we were repeating things over and over and over again. But as the years have gone on, I saw past the repetition and saw the revelation that comes when we declare that, when we proclaim that, when we use our voices together to say, no one stands alone. Because they're not just, how many words? Some people say three, but I think it's four because no one's, anyway. Um, Four, thank you. We've got an English teacher. Four words. They're not just four words. They're revelation that connect back to love God and love people. Because if that's a revelation in our hearts that no one stands alone, then you're way on your way to doing what Jesus said, the two greatest commandments, loving God and loving people. So it's been on my heart for months. Why? Because I'm not, look, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I think we've got a bit quiet at the end of the news sometimes in, in our location here. And we say, well, they can say it and I'll listen to it. But I reckon we need to proclaim it. We need to speak it. Even though sometimes we don't feel like it, we need to start declaring it really loud. No one stands alone. So just humor me. I'm going to say it. And can you guys reciprocate? Now remember, here at Enjoy Church, say it with me. No one stands alone. Oh, yeah, you guys sound amazing. All right, next week, at the end of the news, that's how we're going to sound. I reckon that's how we're going to sound. Again, why? Because it's a revelation that grows the church. It's a revelation that grows um, individuals that don't know each other from different races and places, and they become family. It's a revelation of four words that are so powerful. And today, I'm going to focus on Scripture here, and it's found And I just noticed that the guys were singing about a well that doesn't run dry, a stream that satisfies, yeah? And today I'm reading from a passage in John 4. I'm not going to read all of it. Lass, you're probably happy that you came to the second service because I read way too much scripture in the first and ran out of time. So it's, it's a story about Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. Now, a little bit before, Jesus was with the disciples. They were praying and baptizing. It says that, um, he was discipling and healing, and the disciples were baptizing people. And Jesus wanted to return to Galilee. Yeah, they, they, they've done their, their work there, and they're making their way back to Galilee. Now, to go through that, they had to pass through Samaria. So Jesus was walking on his way, no Ubers back then. And at verse 6, it says, There was a well, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired. As he was from the journey, he sat down by the well and it was about noon. Like now, noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, take note, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. Jump into verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water from the well will be thirsty again. 
But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. To eternal life. What an exchange. Side note. The, the dialogue between, I'm not going to read all of it, but the dialogue between Jesus and the Samaritan woman is the longest conversation that's recorded in the Bible. It's, so it's like, okay, if we're going to record this in the Bible, the conversation with another person, there's importance here. There's something we need to pay attention to. Now, John 4 offers profound insight, profound insight into Jesus' ministry of reaching out to individuals, emphasizing emphasizing the significance of engaging with the one, the one, the single person, the one. Say it with me. No one stands alone. The story is so powerful because it illustrates how Christ engaged in meaningful conversation with someone. This is, we don't get this in, in this day and age because I will have a chat you know, have a chat to Pastor Mish or, or Carol. But back in those days, men didn't speak to women. Yeah? They didn't, they didn't dialogue with them. Let alone a Samaritan woman that was a different race. Let alone different beliefs. Yeah? It was like, no, you, you're a woman. You don't believe what I believe. You're from another race. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to lower myself to talk to you. But what did Jesus do? He flipped that. Again, Jesus flipping what we take as custom and what we think is right and go, uh, 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 that's not right. This is what we need to do. And in this story, we see three things that Jesus does. He embraces all people, despite the differences, despite how rich or poor they are, their background. Jesus exemplifies in this story the need for us to love and show compassion to every individual acknowledging their need for God. Not just the people we're comfortable with or that we enjoy talking to, but everyone. The second part, the second thing that he does is he engages. He actually talks. Talks, yeah? Uh, what I found interesting here is his willingness to engage and talk despite his tiredness. <laughs> He's walking for ages. Again, there's no Uber. The bike wasn't even invented. He was tired. He was thirsty like I am now. But he talks with a woman. He engages with a woman. I find it interesting because after a Sunday, I love talking. I love talking to people. I like, you know, having a good old chat. Um, and... Some days, like after after talking to people in the foyer and blah blah blah, I get home and I'm like, Lise, I'm uh, I'm not going to put all men in this category, but I feel like it's it's a thing. Like I've got a quota of words, yeah, um, that I that I have stored each day, and if I go past that quota, this is not scientific, so don't quote, quote me, doctors. Um, but if I pass that quota, I feel I've got nothing left to say. <laughs> so I get home after talking or being in meetings all day. And Lisa says, how, is that? how was your day? And I'm like, I've got no more words left. If I start talking to you, I'm going into tomorrow's quota, which means I, you know, all the conversations that I need to have tomorrow, I'm not going to be able to have. And I've got important meetings. But we see Jesus here, despite being tired, despite, you know, 
not being culturally appropriate for him to be talking to this lady, he engages. He engages and talks to her. We should make the effort to connect with others, even when we're having a bad day, even when we're tired, even when things aren't, yes, I'm feeling excited, I've got heaps of coffee in me, or whatever it might be. You know, I had the opportunity to to go to another church and a conference with um, with Pastor Pat um, uh, in the past, well, in the past, it was a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago, sorry. And I know I'm like, woo! Um, and and the, the, the conference finished. It was an amazing conference. And, and I went into the foyer with Pat and I was standing there with Pat. And I was standing there having chats with him. And I had this thing just click in my head. I said, ah, this is what it feels like to be someone new in a foyer that's not your own. Because for me, like, this is my home. Enjoy is my home. It's been my home for 15 years. So I get out there and I'm like, you know, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Oh, cha-cha-cha-cha. How's it going? Or sports or stuff or cards or how's your life? And I find it so comfortable to be able to chat in there. There's no one I wouldn't go up to and have a chat with. And then I found myself like, do I go talk to someone? I'm in this foyer. No one's coming to talk to me. Ah, oh, this, is, this is what it feels like. So I said, Pat, hey, this is weird in my head. It's, it's not making any sense that I'm like not walking around and chatting to people. I said, let's go introduce ourselves to some of these people here in the foyer. So there we go. Like, hey, we're, you know, Pat and Chris, and it's good to be here at your conferences, all of that. And then the conversation started from there. But I found it just intriguing. Why for the... 15 minutes just stood there. And I wonder that sometimes if it's insecurities that prevents us from reaching out. You know, you can't get close to someone if there's fear in the relationship. Then what, what's the opposite of fear? What builds up a relationship? Well, it's love. In 1 John 4.18 it says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. So how do we drive it out? How do we expel all fear? Well, what does love do? It takes the focus of us, takes the focus of me, and puts the focus on someone else. I get the focus off me, and I focus on the people around me. You know, this is not comfortable for me to be here. It's not my thing. I like being on cameras and editing and stuff like that. And it's not comfortable for me to speak to you, but I love it. Why? Because I love you. I love this church. I love the people in the front row and the second row and the third row. This is my church. So I take myself out of the equation. It's not about me and how I feel that I'm feeling a little bit nervous or insecure right now. If God's given me a word to speak, I need to speak it because it's not about me. And in the same way, I encourage each of you, you've got something to say, something to contribute, something to engage with someone, some encouragement to give. And this is funny the way our brains work. It's funny because a lot of the times we're thinking, what are they thinking about me? But I can promise you 90% of the time, they're not thinking anything about you. They're thinking, what is that person thinking about me? And you go into this little back and forth that doesn't actually exist. Imagine that. Trapped in our heads going, 
I don't know, I don't want to talk to them. They probably don't want to talk to me. And the other person's thinking the same thing and just staring each other down going, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't know you. Our brains, they're wonderful and frustrating at the same time. The other thing that Jesus did, he offers, he offers hope to all people. Not just a select few, not just those who society deemed worthy of it, but to all people. If the team can play this clip from a testimony that we watched a few weeks ago. And I got to know God when I was 16 and I went to the Wengrata Baptist Church. It was an evening congregation, but then that disbanded and I stopped going. And I think nobody invited me. There was times when I wanted to go, but couldn't find anyone to go with. And it wasn't until I was 47 that I sort of thought, what point in my life was I the happiest? What point did I feel the most at peace? And I remembered back to that time when I went to church with Colin and around my friends and, and the people that I met. And I thought, I wonder if I go to church now, whether I'll still feel that level of peace. That's Robbie from our Wangaratta campus. Robbie is, uh, uh, I don't know why, he's fishing famous. Everybody that fishes in Australia knows Robbie. He is, you know that energy you felt? It wasn't the, the guitars doing, that's the first time we've ever used a track like that for, for any testimony. It was like, dun, dun, dun. It was like, this is rock from the 80s. Woo! Robbie is amazing. Robbie is part of our creative team. He's found family um, with him and his daughter at a Wangaratta campus, a, a Wangaratta location. Robbie serves on team. He takes photos. But you know what stood out to me about this clip? Robbie waited 30 years for someone to invite him to church. 30 years. He went to church when he was young. And he was separated and people might have known him, but he waited 30 years for someone to extend an invitation to share in what they already have in church, what we have in church. And look, I'm preaching to myself first and foremost before I preach to you. But can I ask you a question? I ask myself the same question. And it's not an easy question, but how much in my life, in our lives, has to be going right before we share Christ with someone else. How much? Is there a gauge? Is there a gauge of holiness? How much I read my Bible? How many testimonies I have? How much? I think it's, it's evident that it's not much. It's there, right there. And it can start, like we talk about great evangelists, and I got the opportunity to listen to a couple at, at the conference, and I'm like, my goodness, these are amazing communicators. But the one thing they keep reiterating is, you don't have to be a great evangelist or a missionary and go across the seas and, 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 and share the gospel. It can start with, with our families. It can start with our friends. It can start with our colleagues. You already have relationship with them. You, they already know you. They know that it's not a cold call trying to sell you something. Cold calls were the worst. I worked at, a, at one of those places you had to sell something over the phone. And people didn't want to talk to you. It was the worst. But your family, your friends, your neighbours, that's not a cold call. My second point is no one stands alone. Family. 
I'm going to jump to verse 21 because this is what Jesus replied. There was a back and forth dialogue. And in verse 23, Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' reply here, he bridges the gap between the cultural differences, between the gender differences, between the theological differences, between beliefs and social constructs. And he brings them together and unites them and says, the Father is looking for true worshippers. So if you accept Jesus, if you worship the Father, that brings you into the family. Yeah? There's no other thing but that. Have you ever heard the saying, blood is thicker than water? Yeah? I've, I've heard it so many times and I completely had it wrong. <laughs> blood is thicker than water isn't actually referring or referencing the density of blood because it is thicker than water. I know that's on its level. It's, uh, blood is thicker than water. Yes, it is. It actually comes from a saying that the bonds of bloodshed on the battlefield create stronger ties than the water of the womb. The water of family or the family ties. So when we as a church do life together, pray for one another, go through the highs and the lows and then back to the highs and pray for one another, it creates a bond that is stronger than the biological bonds you have with your family. And I can, this is my life. You know, most of my family live in Argentina and I love them. Over here I had one cousin and that was it for my family. Everyone else wasn't related to me. But at Enjoy Church, 15 years ago, I created bonds with brothers that continue to this day. The likes of Pastor Ash and Pastor Martin, yeah, and Pastor Michael, which geographically speaking, we don't get to see them very much because the Lord has great plans for them and sent them to build amazing locations all around Australia. But that bond remains. They are my brothers. I can call them up. They can pray for me. I can pray for them. It is very, very cool. I, I, I love this analogy because I do like war movies, you know, they're inspirational. I, I, I loved watching Band of Brothers. Anyone know Band of Brothers, that, that show? It's about Ace Company, just like uh, a bunch of soldiers that had to do the impossible and, and they became, lit, not literal brothers, but they were brothers, yeah? And it held them together. And I remember as a 17-year-old um, um, organizing with, with the boys, with the... Um, Youth boys, a, a trek to Wilson's prom, like one of those hard treks. And I made them all dog tags. I spent all the night before making dog tags for them, band of brothers. The thing is, none of those guys were brothers, but I still do life with them. I still do life with them. I still, they still call me. When, when, when I was sick with COVID, I, was, I wasn't answering the phone for about a week and a half. I had one of those guys come to my house, come to my house and go, hey, where are you? Are you okay? You're not answering my calls. 
It's because you do life with people. You go out of your way. You go out of your way to, to, to invest into people's lives. So, what does family look like for you? What does it look like? Have, uh, take a moment to think about what family looks like to you. Because for me, a picture speaks a thousand words. And I've got some photos. We get to see amazing photos every week of interactions within teams and foyer. And this is what family looks like to me. You know, we're not related by blood. We're different races from different countries, but we're family. And I can explain to you or try and explain to you the love and the care and the relationship you see in these photos. But none of my words will ever come close ever come close to you experiencing it for yourself. For yourself. I could explain to you how good it is to belong to a friendship group, to have people pray for you, to study the Word of God. I can explain to you the benefits of accountability and encouragement and correction that comes through friendships. But nothing, 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 nothing comes close to experiencing it. Yourself. Yourself. In Ephesians 2, 12, this is the cool thing. This is, this, is, this is where people that come from all over become family. And it says here, the Apostle Paul says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near as a family by the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. So, there it is. We're family. If you're a believer, welcome to the family. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're a guest or you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and become family. See, in Ephesians, Paul was was really wrestling with Ephesians because those who were Jews thought they had more right to the promises. But he was saying in here, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, you have access, you have right to all of this. Salvation, restoration, freedom, healing, all of us have access to it. But sometimes I don't think that's what we struggle with. Like I, I don't struggle with, well, if you're in another country or if you're in another place, you, you know, I don't struggle with that. But sometimes I think in church, we struggle with being familiar and it stops us from becoming family. Let me say that again. Sometimes we struggle with being familiar. That stops us from becoming family. I know it sounds similar. They even, yeah, they sound very similar. I think in Italian you say familiar, it's actually family. <laughs> so don't get confused if you're Italian. But can I speak and ask everyone this morning, do we want to be family or do you just want to be familiar with one another? Do we want to know each other's name? Or do we want to know their story? Do we want to know each other enough personally to be able to pray for each other? on each other's behalf? Do we want to establish relationships outside of what we already know and what we're already comfortable with? 
Because if we're just trying to establish relationships out of what we're already comfortable with, we're living out of convenience and not conviction. Convenience and not conviction. I'm preaching to myself here. I'm going to remind you again. This word's for me. To be real family, sharing real family experiences, the joy, the pain, they all build a strong bond. Blood is thicker than water. My last point, as the band get up, no one stands alone. Jesus is the living water. In verse 25, it says, The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Okay, this is the cool part. Pay attention. Then leaving her water jar, the reason why she already originally went to the well, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of town and they made their way to him. You see, the Samaritan woman went to the well because she had a need. And it wasn't just the need for water. She went at noon because she needed to go when people weren't there. People don't typically go draw water at noon when it's really hot. Typically go in the morning. But this woman couldn't go in the morning because she was alone. She was, she was, she had guilt. You know, Jesus in the passage, if you read it, it says, bring your husband. And she goes, I don't have one. Oh, that's right, you don't have one. You had, had five and the one you're with is not your husband. Stricken by guilt and shame and all of it. And she had a need. And she thought that need was to go by herself and to get some water. But what she discovered was Jesus. It was Jesus. What she really needed was Jesus to speak into her life. What she really needed was Jesus' presence. What what she really needed was Jesus to speak into her situation and she found her breakthrough. And what did she do with that? She went and told everyone. And I know that a lot of us, you know, even today, come to church, I'm like, well, I need need something. I, I need breakthrough. I need... You know, how many conversations I'm having these days and and people are working one, two, three, four jobs just to be able to pay because interest rates and cost of living and blah, blah, blah. There's so much need. You know, some of us have come to church and like, Jesus, I need healing. Jesus, I need restoration. We had the prayer request there. I need my family to come to you. I need, Lord, I need, I need. And as humans, we're always gonna have needs. But like this woman who went to the well with a need, she encountered Jesus. She encountered Jesus. And if I can share this with you, <laughs> I've gone back and forth for a long time, but this happened at the start of the year, about sharing this, because I'm, I'm quite <laughs> in me. I'm always happy to believe for your miracle, for your miracle. I have faith to believe for God to do miracles in your life. But sometimes for my own, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I'll just don't worry about my own. I don't believe that, but I believe for you, but I don't believe for me. Say again, the mind's complicated. I don't understand it. Why I think like that. And 
And I really felt to share this with you. Why? Because I believe when we share what God has done in our lives, when we share a testimony, what it does, it helps us grow our faith. It helps me grow my faith and me to be bold to say, hey, God did this. He can do it for you and believe for you. So during, during the lockdowns, um, early on, it was 2020, um, I got this crazy bad ear infection. I was like, I've never had an ear infection in my life. Between the lockdowns and everyone, you know, um, not being able to see doctors, I, I called. I couldn't, I couldn't go see a doctor. They wouldn't see me. It wasn't an emergency, whatever it might be. Um, I called, I called, I called until a doctor saw me in an alleyway in the side of a clinic because I wasn't allowed to go in. And they did a, a test. It was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre, but they did a test and, and they found out that it had a, a pretty serious infection. And they were able to to provide me with like the proper antibiotics um, and the infection went away but when it went away I couldn't hear anything and finally I got to see an ENT specialist and the ENT specialist said I'm sorry but you got no eardrum left the whole entire inner ear um, middle ear has been eaten away by this infection and I said okay what can I do well you're going to have to get surgery I said, well, I've, I've heard that sometimes it can recover. No, no, there's nothing left for it to recover, to grow. I'm like, okay, all right, put me on a waiting list. Let's go. And as you know, over the last three years, like if it's not, if it's elective, it's, if you can survive, you've got another ear, they said, you know. They didn't say that, but they probably thought that. It's not going to be, an, it's not gonna be you're not going to get a, a, a surgery. So they put me on the Alfred waiting list and what have you. Anyway, as a musician, as a creative, you know how bad it is not to be able to hear anything on one side? Like, I, I haven't been on the power tools for all those years, Pastor Mick, but I felt like, oh my goodness, I, I can't hear. I had to go around in circles, you know, who was talking to me. Anyway, it was, it was the anointing service at the start of this year. And I wasn't praying for healing. I had prayed for it. I was like, I'm Okay. I'll just wait for the, for the surgery that come along. And I remember worshiping. It was a powerful day of worship. Not just worshiping, but I was praying for people because at our anointing services, so we do. I wasn't thinking about my need. I was believing for yours. I was believing for breakthrough in all the needs that came and we got the opportunity to anoint people. It was incredible. I loved it. That same service, my ears started getting hot. And I'm like, I've got, a, I've got an infection again. I'm like, all right, let's go back to the doctor. Far out. I don't know if anyone has had a full ruptured eardrum, but it makes a little whistle noise when you blow your nose. Yeah? So my kids would laugh at me. It's like, Dad, why are you whistling? I just blow my nose. It's, it sounded like a choo-choo train. Boop, boop. I, I went to the ENT specialist again, the person I had seen. And I said, hey, something's up. I think I got the infection again. They put the camera in there. I could see it. There's an eardrum. Completely formed. Completely restored. And I'm like, what? Check again. Check again. Don't lie to me. The truth is that I knew something was up because I could hear again. I was a little bit more um, composed in the first service. 
remember listening to our studio album that the team had spent so much time putting together. And it was glorious. Glorious, glorious, glorious. I'm like, Pat, I'm so excited. The album sounds amazing. I can hear it with both ears. I can hear the stereo. I can hear Will's keys playing here and then the guitars over here because we don't put everything in the center. And I thought to myself, Lord, I didn't ask for this, but in your presence, as I worshiped you, I received my breakthrough. And today you might have come to church needing a breakthrough, needing healing, needing restoration, financial breakthrough. But I can tell you like the woman at the well, come to Jesus, worship Him, not because He can do something for us, because He's worthy of all praise and worthy of all honour. Jesus, Alpha and Omega, Jesus, Wonderful Counselor, Jesus, Mighty God, Jesus, Everlasting Prince of Peace, my Redeemer, the Living Stone, my Restorer, my Healer, my Saviour, Firm Foundation, God Almighty, 